Hey, it's Flaves, and this is Climate Changers, a podcast where we celebrate the heroes who are on the front lines of creating a new and sustainable resource and energy economy. Today, my guest is Jeff Bedard, entrepreneur and owner of Resort Energy Ventures, which provides renewable energy consulting from both the business and technical perspectives for large property owners. Hi, Jeff. Welcome to the show. Hey, hello, Ryan. You've had a remarkable career trajectory, ranging from your time at West Point and as a soldier to working as an academic and in a research lab. But the continuous thread throughout the journey is your work as an entrepreneur. What were the first projects you tackled as a developer after your military service? Well, I went to work for a um, developer up in Syracuse, New York. Um, Right after I got out of the Army, I was in the Corps of Engineers, and it was interesting. They started their days at 5.55. You knew you'd made it in the company when you were invited to the 5.55 a.m. meeting. And I thought, wow, this is just, no wonder they recruited a lot of Army guys out of there. It was just like being in the Army. But that taught me real estate development, went on to a series of different real estate development companies and ended up um, helping start a firm here in Denver, Colorado to promote sustainable development. And a lot of that sustainable development was around walkable communities. Could you talk a little bit about what a walkable community is and why you're interested in them? The word sustainable today, it's a big buzzword. But when we talk about walkable communities, we are talking about sustainability, but it's sustainability from an economic sense, from a social sense, as well as an environmental sense. It's, it's kind of a shame that at the turn of the 20th century, in you know, 1930, 1940, 1950, we really knew how to build communities that included a mix of uses, that people were out walking, they were socializing with each other. You knew the shopkeeper down the street as much as you knew your neighbor. And so when we're doing sustainable, walkable communities, we're trying to bring that feeling back, that, that actual physical infrastructure back into being. Then in 2008, the market crashed and you had to shut down New Providence, your development company. In the downturn, however, you had an unexpected change in course due to a unique combination of skills you developed in your work in sustainability that we just discussed, service in the military, and as a businessman. Could you talk about this experience? That was in 2008. We all remember that, those of us that were in real estate development. And uh, right when the crash was occurring, I ended up giving a presentation at the National Renewable Energy Laboratory, or NREL. And it was on sustainable development because I had done that. And the topic was really, it's more than just solar panels. It's walkable communities. It's economic sustainability, all the things I just talked about. After the end of the presentation, one of the senior folks asked me if I'd give them a hand because they were getting pressure from the Obama administration at the time. That administration was young. They were saying, hey, we're studying this solar stuff, but it would be really good to start producing, to start developing some solar projects for the government. And they asked me if I would give them help because I had a development background, a sustainability background, but not so much of an energy background. Learned a whole lot of energy development with the National Renewable Energy Lab and ended up being put in charge of NREL's deployment of renewable energy for the Department of Defense. And during that time, I learned a whole lot about how the Department of Defense works, but also a whole lot about deploying renewable energy. And then you got back into development, landed a big solar project at a hotel in Maui. What did you learn from that project and how did it set you on your current trajectory? I ended up getting a call from one of my old real estate partners right around 2010 when the solar industry was still fairly new. And he asked me, he said, Jeff, you know, with your background in real estate development, you know how return on assets, well, you know what return on assets is. You know how 
developers think, you know how the hotel industry works, and you have this background now in renewable energy development, you could actually help us because we're getting killed by utility rates on these island communities, and we don't understand how it works. Renewable energy development has got renewable energy certificates. It has tax incentives. There's some technical parts to it. It's hard for us to put it all together in a package. So we think you could help us out and help us deploy renewable energy at some of our more remote hotels. So I said, okay, Ed, where, uh, where should I start first? And he said, well, that will be the Grand Wailea Hotel out on Maui. So that's how I got introduced to Hawaii. As you demonstrated the value of your expertise in policy and incentives, technology and finance, you were picked up by host hotels, which led to the creation of your current business. So what makes Resort Energy Ventures unique? Resort Energy Venture is kind of a cumbersome name, but those of us in the company just go by Rev. We found that we could really make a difference in the world for these large Fortune 500 companies that own lots of properties. We could make a difference in the world by helping them deploy renewable energy from a financial standpoint. They're very focused on financial returns. And even though all of us in our company are focused on sustainability, we want to change the world, we want to better the world, we know that Fortune 500 companies are driven by dollars. So when we look at places, resorts, hotels, whatever, for them and how we can deploy renewable energy and batteries, we're always coming at it from a financial standpoint. What will make sense for the client? So that's interesting. So you and your employees are very passionate about the impact that solar energy production can have on climate, yet you don't let that passion dictate your decisions or strategy. Can you talk a little bit more about that? You know, when we're looking at, say, we're doing a solar project for one of these Fortune 500 landowners, and we're not always laying out the panels on the roof and covering every square inch of the roof with solar panels. In fact, we will very systematically, um, almost surgically, design solar panels on that roof so that they get the highest return. We will look at every single solar panel that we employ on the roof and we'll calculate the return by solar panel. Guess what? That solar panel has a 10% return. Knock it out. That one over there has an 18% return. Keep that one in. And we're driven by designing a system that maintains a high level of return for the customer. So when you look at a large corporate real estate portfolio, What's the process you use to measure the potential return on investment for different strategies? The first thing we do, Ryan, is we look at where the property is located. And we will do a high-level portfolio analysis for these corporate customers. We've developed some software that enters in all their utility bills and a bunch of other stuff. Say, here's where you should go. But in general, it's pretty easy geographically. If you have a property in Washington, D.C., that's where you start. Washington, D.C. has some very attractive incentives for solar energy. And we always tell our clients, start in Washington, D.C. The next most attractive place to develop solar projects is in the state of Hawaii, any one of the islands in Hawaii. After Hawaii, you look at California, Massachusetts, New York, you know, most of the Northeast. But it really is Washington, D.C., Hawaii, California, and then we look back at the Northeast. Could you talk a little bit about the three criteria that cause those geographic locations to be most desirable? Sure. There really are three different things when we're looking at solar projects. The first is the level of incentives. And as I said, Washington, D.C. has very high incentives. Hawaii actually has high incentives. And the good parts of the Northeast have some decent incentives. The second thing we look at is the amount of sunshine. California has good sunshine. Hawaii has good sunshine. Florida has good sunshine. The third thing we're looking at is cost of power. 
Hawaii has extremely high cost of power. California has moderate to high cost of power. Some of the places in the Northeast, Florida or Arizona have low cost of power. So we always say of those three things, whether it's location because of sun or policy incentives or cost of power, if an area in the country has two out of three of those, then it probably is a good place for solar. For instance, California has high energy costs and lots of sunshine, not so many incentives, but they have two out of three. Hawaii has high sunshine, high incentives, and very high costs. Hawaii is a very good place to go. Arizona, on the other hand, lots of sunshine, but not real strong incentives, and they have a pretty low cost of power. Once you review the portfolio, what does the rest of the customer journey look like? So after we look at this high-level portfolio, then we'll say to the customer, let's take a handful of your sites and do an on-site feasibility. Our engineers go on-site, we lay out where we think solar panels can go, we look at where that interconnection is going to be, we investigate the policy at that specific location, and we also look at the finances. We get 12 months of electric bills. If we can, we get interval data, which is their energy load every 15 minutes of the day for an entire year. And we analyze that and we we come out with a pretty in-depth feasibility study on here's what we think you can do. Here's what is feasible from a technical standpoint. Here's what's feasible from a financial standpoint. In fact, our reports back to the customer have a financial section and a technical section. And go through and say, here's what you can do. We give a range of options on how they can get different levels of return, but we'll go in with that. It is really an investment grade feasibility analysis for them to use internally. Given your immersion in the solar industry over the years, what do you see as the most exciting business and or technological developments that are coming our way? Batteries. It's interesting. A couple of years ago, our customers would ask me about batteries and I'd say, don't talk to me just yet. Give, me, give it a couple of years. The industry is nascent. It still needs to develop. There's a lot of manufacturers out there that really don't know what they're doing. They're still working on chemistries. And in fact, Batteries work really well when you have the right control system. That was two years ago. Now, folks have come along and they've developed control systems that will make batteries economically feasible. It's still rough. The industry is still new. But as we do analysis, we are finding that batteries are making financial sense. That is, they're providing returns above 15% in some areas of the country. Jeff, thank you for your work to create large-scale sustainable energy development by helping businesses find and develop profitable renewable energy strategies. And thank you for joining this episode of Climate Changers. Thank you, Ryan. Every episode of Climate Changers has a call to action posted in the show notes. Each call to action has been curated to make it easy for you to help create the changes that we discussed today. Thank you for joining Climate Changers. Until next time.